I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I think for, for the most part, anything that just said will probably get buzzed out by the, the producers. Oh. Uh, I'm the host, Jay Stevens, and we're in uh, COVID day at 3000. So we're still, we're still doing these through Zoom. And today we have a very special guest. We have our, our, one of our normal co-hosts with uh, Utah, former Utah Grizzly and current Utah, uh, what do you call it? West Coast Renegades? Yeah. West Coast Renegades coach. I never know if it's Renegades or Regulators. I know I should know by now. Evan Stoff. Yeah. Evan, thanks for thanks for co-hosting with me. Yeah. We're uh thanks for me on again, as always. It's enjoyable. A bit of a wild ride because I brought in two of my uh two of my longtime friends, and they're when you they're fine when you have them individually, but when you put them together, they're it's it's <laughs> like herding cats. I've got Michael Hunt. Michael. Long-time roller hockey player, played for Team Canada, and has played a lot yeah. of international games for Team Canada. You play professional roller hockey. We have that in common. And then uh, former Long Beach Ice Dog in San Diego goal and longtime equipment rep, Kelly Askew. Kelly, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Spectacular. Good to see you. Good to see, Good to see you. Huntsy, thanks for being on yeah. the show. Hey, love, love the invite. Thanks for having us. Uh, appreciate it. It's going to be a good time. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think we have a lot to talk about. I think we, we're going to touch on parts that I haven't touched on as far as hockey goes yet. I, I wrote an article in the uh, for KSL Sports about inline hockey in Utah. And now, do I get in trouble with you, Huntsy, if I call it roller hockey? Or do we just call it inline hockey, or does it go by either? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm roller, I'm inline, I'm ice. Uh, I play more ice than inline these days, but yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever cues to the listener's ears. Some people roller, some people in, like whatever they prefer. I know there was a while where, like, it was roller hockey because we played in roller hockey international, and then yep. it became it, it became like a real issue if you called it roller hockey. Everybody wanted to know, no, this is inline hockey, and we don't use roller skates. We use inline skates, and it became like I don't know who was pushing that, but it became like, you know. Well, I think that, Jay, I think that came from the roller connotation of the four wheels, you know, and skating around with a disco ball and things like that with bell bottoms. I don't think the West Coast uh, California guys playing roller or inline hockey wanted to be associated with four wheels, you know, two in the front, two in the back. That was New York. (laughs) All right. That's fair enough. enough. Well, New Jersey rock and rollers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
member, ex-member. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. And in the RHI, they basically did wear bell bottoms. Remember those pants we got? Pretty big. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were big. So, uh, Michael, we'll just talk about your uh, your background a little bit more, and then we'll then we'll dive into Kelly's. You are like an international. I mean, you have all kinds of awards and gold medals, and you've done a lot, right? Can you give us like a brief summary? Oh, so you want me to talk about myself? That should be that's, yes, <laughs> Kelly. I'm sure I'll jump in. No we're, problem. No, we will um, make fun of you at first for the for the fact that it's roller yeah. rock. We'll wait till you're done, and then we'll make fun of you. No, you know what? I've, I've been very fortunate. I mean, uh, the game, you know, forget the playing aspect of it. And I, every guy on this call and this Zoom call and this in this podcast will tell you that uh, the greatest the greatest attributes to play in this game at any kind of level, but especially when you get into higher levels, is the people that you meet and the acquaintances that you make and the friendships that you have and the long term kind of life friends that you make from this game. The the game as you play is is obviously competitive and, and great, but. It's the and every guy said it. Every every guy that's ever retired, everybody that's in the game has always said it's always the guys in the room, you know, hanging out and doing the things. The, the game is the game, and then after and before is everything. But my career is basically I started playing roller, you know, ice hockey in uh, in Hamilton, Ontario, and then and then out in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And then uh, you know I didn't really I didn't really grow into the the size I needed to be uh, to play any kind of really high end ice hockey. I had the talent to do it. I just didn't have the size. So. I went into roller hockey in 1998. I got introduced to the game and, um, you know, uh, and I sucked at it. I was horrible at the game. Um, and, and all that, when I moved to Boston, a lot of the guys, as I've told this story many times, um, first time I got on the rink a few times with the, with the inline skates, uh, they, they just said, you know, this guy from Canada is you know, horrific and you shouldn't play hockey ever again. And so I kind of took that with a little chip on my shoulder and, and I left the rink and I, and I, to this day, and you might've seen the video the other day, to this day, I still go out. Um, even in minus four, minus 10 weather. And uh, I inline skated around a track, a school track with my stick and my gloves to keep skating because that's what I did to, to learn how to play the game. And uh, I was very fortunate. I mean, I got to, to be with Rinkrat, which obviously you're very familiar with. And, um, and, and through that and John Roderick, we put together the, the, you know, not, it's not even arguably, it is the greatest roller hockey team, pro roller hockey team to ever play. We won, seven national championships in a row. We never lost a game. We went like 42, 0 and two. We won the most prize money ever awarded in, in the, in the sport. And, um, and because of that, you know, we, we were able to parlay that into the international game where I got to play for team Canada. Um, supposed last year would have been my 15th year, um, but canceled due to COVID uh, it's back on in Germany this year. And now the masters and veterans division, which means, it's not the men's team anymore. It is the, uh, the 37 man. and over. Yeah. The 45 yeah. and as I'm 52, they've just introduced the 52 and over division. Uh, oh, so sure. yeah, so it should be good, but yeah, it's been great. I mean, I've been fortunate to coach, uh, the women's women, uh, team Canada team to world championship in 2016 and, you know, uh, lots of world championship, um, uh, events and friendships around the world. So I've been very, very fortunate, um, to be a part of it. And the game, the game has been great to me and, Really, it's just about giving back now. I, it doesn't owe me a, da a darn thing, uh, as, as they say. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's been a, it's been a great, wonderful career. Sure. <laughs> That's amazing. You talk about the friends that we make, and it's funny because I, I knew a ton of people through inline hockey, and then uh, we got – there were some other people. Obviously, Jerry St. Cyr was a huge name back in the day for, for hockey, and I was watching it. I got to watch a college hockey game last night. I believe that's his son playing for Notre Dame. Is that correct? Do you know? Yeah, right? Dylan. 
Yeah, Dylan St. Cyr yeah. is the goaltender for Notre Dame. Yeah, and that's uh, Jerry's son, but also Manor Rayom's son. Right, well. right. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that part up, Manor Rayom. <laughs> for for anybody that doesn't know, and I think most of our audience is clued in enough to know Manor Rayom, the first female goaltender to ever play in the National Hockey League, and in the, uh, wasn't American. I introduced I introduced Jerry and Manor just so everybody. Oh, look at that, Kelly. That's a strange flex, but all right. That's a great, that's great job, Kelly. I'm sure he's going to thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Yeah, actually, ironically, no. Manon was our goalie in New Jersey that summer for RHI as a backup. Oh. So, okay. you know, we, we brought her on and, uh, you know, it was good publicity. And Jerry obviously liked her and the rest is history. That's very but, cool. Uh, no, she's a really uh, unbelievable athlete. Pretty amazing to, to, you know, play a game in the NHL as a woman, obviously, is an unbelievable feat. Yeah, and I was, I was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it was, it was cool. And then her, her actual first ever professional hockey game was against the Salt Lake Golden Eagles in the IHL. So, I mean, that's just another – that's another way to tie it to Utah hockey, which we're – There you go. I try to tie everything to Utah. All right, so, Huntsy, we got to know a little bit about you and your inline hockey background. And then you – have been a, an equipment rep too. We're going to get into more of that, but now we want to find out a little bit about Kelly. Kelly, tell okay. us a little bit. Like I know you're an NCAA guy. Okay. I guess I guess your uh, people didn't get your memo. No. Uh, you know what? Hockey uh, hockey's been kind of my life for, for quite a long time. Um, grew up here in Calgary. I'm actually based back in Calgary now. We knew each other when I was in California. Um, had ended up finishing my career there in San Diego and, and Long Beach. Um, yeah, you know, I was one of those guys that hockey was good to me. I, I didn't make millions of dollars playing the sport, but was able to, you know, travel with it. Like college hockey, ended up playing for, uh, for Team Canada, national team for a year. We got to travel all over the world and, um, you know, play in international events. And uh, probably a highlight of mine was sniping in the Central Red Army, you know, bombing down the wing and taking a slapper. I think it was Roman Turk, but probably one of the highlights of my career. And, uh, yeah, you know, I ended up playing another four years over in Europe, Germany and England. And and then uh, the last 15 years, I've actually been still involved in the game. Well, longer than that, got involved with Hockey Monkey as a retailer, as you know. Um, and then for the last 15 years, been involved uh, teaching skating, which was kind of my, I guess, gift, if you will, wasn't my hands necessarily, but, uh, uh, you know, skating allowed me to play at a pretty high level as a smaller player, I guess, in the bigger man's game back in the 90s. And, uh, and then got into the roller game as well, uh, playing with the RHI and a little bit of pro stuff against Mike and, and with Jerry and tours, did some tour stuff and some other things, Snarch. And yeah, kind of, you know, same as Mike, kind of done it all, I guess, in the industry. <laughs> including the repping aspect and, and working at the retail level. And now like I said 15 years of the coaching level where I work with kids from, you know, young age, seven years to NHL athletes. So you know, it's, it's cool. for, for people that have listened to our show for the past couple of years, Kelly, I've actually talked about you a few times. Uh, we oh, talk cool. about, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I keep the, I keep the dark <laughs> stuff off the show. <laughs> yeah. really, really funny stuff off the show. We got a lot of stories yeah. about Evan, for example, that we try to keep off the show. I, I imagine. <laughs> but, uh, I compare you uh, to I, I don't I don't know if you know um, I'm I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Greg Lieb. Do you know Greg Lieb? 
Greg Lead. Hmm. Where's so he from? Lieber is yeah. a, he's a he's a Canadian also, and he he, yeah. he played here with the Utah Grizzlies for a minute. Was with the Dallas Stars for a minute, but uh, oh yeah 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 that's right. You guys yeah, are yeah. similar skill sets. Where you're two of the best skaters I've ever seen, and yeah. you have similar statues. And I, I've said for a long time that a that if the rules had changed like they changed, yeah. I can't remember when the when the last uh, lockout was or yeah working freeze. But they came back with no more clutching, no more grabbing. Yeah, and I think for a guy like a guy like you and a guy like Greg Lee, you were probably just two years too old to benefit from that because um, guys of your yeah. you the skill set you guys have was unbelievable. And I, I I've watched you like you and I became friends through the Storm and Mormon. Uh, yeah, Jim, Jim yeah. Shockey, who I also tried to get on the show. He's a little harder to yeah. He, he's hard to hold on. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I've heard the same, you know, a few people have told me that. I, I don't know. It's hard to, you know, talk. I don't really like, like Mike, I don't like talking about myself too much. You know, I, I definitely, uh, skating was my thing. And, uh, you know, the way the game is, you're definitely seeing the little guys get a lot more opportunity for sure now. Yeah, for sure. And back in, you know, back in the mid nineties, it was a bigger game. And if you were a little guy, boy, you better put up a hundred points or you're just not going to get that opportunity. And, and not even get an opportunity on the third and fourth line where you're seeing a smaller player now get an opportunity on the third and fourth line, you know, like uh, Andrew Mangiapane here in Calgary who works his way into the lineup and now all of a sudden he's playing top two lines, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's too bad the rules weren't that way because it was definitely a little more clutch and grab. And, and, yeah, it would have uh, been nice to see because to put up 100 points back then, I mean, you yeah. just had some six foot four guy grab a hold of you and not yeah. let you go. Yeah, Jay, if I could jump in, like he's being very modest right now, right? He's being very <laughs> yeah. modest. That's what I love yeah. about him. Like, honest to God, like, no, all, all kidding aside, okay. you know, it, you, it, it's got to be the perfect storm for you to, if you're a fringe, and I don't mean fringe talent, I mean fringe, you know, the 70s and 80s were size, then you get into the 90s, yeah. even the 90s were size, then yeah, as you progressed up, it started to go smaller, faster skill set. And if Kel, I mean, top two skaters, he's one of the best skaters. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably say guys like McDavid and a few of the other big boys that do it. But he is probably if you're if you're going to pick ten skaters in the world, and I and, and he's probably you know in the six seven range. No, you know what I'm saying, like for technique and <laughs> wow. everything you do. And yeah. you would no, have, you would have you would have easily if 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 you were 24 years old with your skill set and you were locked into now, you'd be in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, there, there would be, yeah. there would be no if ands or buts. At least get the opportunity. Yeah, at least you're get right. the opportunity for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's the Absolutely. same way. And that's why I brought it up so many times. I feel that, that Greg Lee was the same way. Like you two, yeah. when I when I talk about skaters, you two are the top skaters I've ever seen. And when right. Greg played his couple games in the NHL, they talked about like Greg was the best skater in the NHL. They flat out said it. And he's playing on a line with one with a Niedermeyer. Who they always yeah. talked about how great a skater they were, but they're like, oh no, this guy's this guy's the best skater in the league now. But he just didn't yeah. have the size. I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. But I just wanted my hey, audience listen. to know. Yeah, but, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah. kind words. Anyway, so Evan, have you in the in the past years, have you noticed guys that you're coaching? Have you noticed a change in the mindset as far as the way guys are developing? Because you grew up going through this too, right, Stoffs? You were like, 
you knew you had to be big or you had to be tougher to get through it. And now guys can get away with more. Are you noticing that with the younger crowd? When I, I noticed, I noticed it. So from junior into college, it was almost like a two year span where I used to let guys kind of skate down the boards and I would just literally put my stick right in their chest or stomach and I, it'd be no penalty. And then once I hit my last year, junior to college, they really cut all that out where you had to move your feet and you know, it just, it, everything, it was very stark and it was really quick, you know, like mid two thousands, I feel like it was just kind of a flip of a switch. And then um, now working with players, everything is so much more dynamic where you're jumping and spinning and twisting and a lot more focus on edge work instead of kind of just the straight up and down speed. And not to say that it wasn't like that before, but it's, that's the standard. Now everyone has to be able to, you know, move back and forth and just be light on their feet and good. If, if you're at now where before that was, you know, the exception that you'd see a couple people do that. Now it's everyone is doing that. And if you're not good at that, it's you're kind of left in the dust from from the get go. Uh, stick handling in the phone booth, as they say, guys can get away. With yeah, because back in the day, they just get murdered, right? Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I used to cut yeah. holes in the palm of my glove so I could just literally grab people, and yeah. it would you'd never get a call, <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah. it's easy. Well, now, now you get, you get a step, stick a bump on my cap. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. You get a step on a guy now, you got it, right? He's either going to haul you down, mm-hmm. um, you know, take a penalty before it, they'd grab you, you know, and there'd be no call. But if you get the step now, you get the call if they reach, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I noticed uh, the year Zach Parisi was drafted, I wish Jordan was here for that. Um, there was some real talk at the beginning of that because they're, they're – Zach was projected to be a top three draft pick, and then he dropped to like 16, 17. I can't remember where he went, but because he's 5'10". And they're like, oh, the rules hadn't changed yet, and they were, they were talking about that. And then the next year, guys that were projected to go on the top 15 that were the bigger, uh, you know, clutch and grab guys that you wanted back on your line, you wanted your D-line to be like six foot three, but they were slow. Those guys all of a sudden went from top 15, they fell in the draft because they realized rules are changing. And then, like you said, at about the 2000 mark, hockey became different to what it is now with, I mean, you watch these guys, the speed and the the stick handling, and it's just, it's amazing to me. But at the same time, uh, that's where the concussions are coming from too. These guys are so fast that when they do get hit, uh, they call it the coup contra coup. When your head bounces forward and then bounces back, your brain kind of goes with it. People talk about concussions in the NHL or whatever. They always say, oh, it's because of fighting. Well, that's like 10, 20% of it tops. It's really because these guys are super fast and not they don't get hit as often. And when they do get hit, it's usually a really high-speed collision. So kind of, kind of amazing. But, uh, Everyone's strong and in good shape now, too. So if you there's just no room. <laughs> there's no room on an NHL size rink anymore to, to kind of get away with that stuff. And, it, I mean, it obviously, well, you know, I've had some issues with with the concussions, you know, well, it's, it's, well, it's just, you know, and Evan, and Evan, to your point, sorry, Kelly, Evan, to your point, yeah. you're, you're dead on. It used to be on hockey teams. You'd have four skilled guys, three skilled guys, two skilled guys, three guys mm-hmm. defensively that were decent. And then you had a bunch of fringe guys. Then you had your fourth line guys and your fourth line guys were out there to bang. Now fourth line guys are could talent. 
you know, the fourth line guys in today's NHL <laughs> could be second line guys in like 15, 20 years ago in NHL. They'd be top two, top six. So every, like yeah. you said, everybody can skate, everybody can play. Um, and, 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 and that just lends to, you know, like you said, there's no room. It's so fast. Every guy's fast, you know, and, uh, and not just, it just, and not, not a lot, not a lot, a lot of guys get hit. So when they do, um, they get hit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's yeah. big usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about equipment and, uh, you know, obviously as a goalie equipment means a little bit more or it, it's goalies are more obsessed with their gear than most guys, but, uh, being equipment reps and trying to get your product into a pro hand. Like, so Hansi, I'm going to start with you and I'm going to give you, this is your platform to pitch the Toby that, that you're, uh, that you're, you're pimping right now. Maybe pimping is another right word to use. That'll probably get, bleeped. but, uh, <laughs> That you're promoting right now. I want to. I want to talk about the uh, the stick that you're promoting right now because okay. I have my I have my experience in trying to put something different in people's hands, and and I'll I'll talk about that. Kelly was part of that as well. Evan was part of that as well. So, um, tell me about tell me about the Toby. Tell me about what does it take to get a pro to try something that's <clears throat> brand new. Uh, okay. So first of all, is this like is this? Whoa. Oh. Hold on, you froze up for a second. Let's let him get back. Um, there you go. Can, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. So anyways, so Toby, I don't know if anybody can see this, but this is the new technology that we're doing, right? Hold so, on. Hold on. Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. You're back. Okay. There you are. Beautiful. So yeah. that's a new technology, right? And um, so basically... Bauer came out with that hole in the stick, right? That was up here, the $400 jobby. Yeah. Well, we have the patents on this and, you know, everyone was making fun. And you know what? It's kind of funny, but when you have a stick like this and you show up to the rink and you're playing beer league or you're playing whatever, you're going to, you're going to hear about it from a lot of guys like nice road hockey stick, you know, I shouldn't, I can't say that. So yeah. Yeah. Nice road hockey stick, et cetera, et cetera. I got to edit myself, man. Um, Or censor myself. But um, so anyways, the difference between us and everybody else, every stick that you've ever used in your life, uh, not as a goaltender, but even uh, just forwards of defense is uh, is a carbon fiber exterior. And on the inside is foam. So inside the carbon fiber exterior is a foam. And what happens is after about 15, 20, 30 shots, that foam inside starts to break down. And when it breaks down, you start to lose all the kicks. So Evan, Kel, you guys know that, you know, you get a brand new twig, you, whether you get it from the team, you buy it off the rack and you go out there and practice warmies game, you fire the sticker, you fire the puck around and it feels unbelievable. The kick off your blades, amazing. Everything, the reactions of the sticks, ridiculous. Everything you've ever wanted to do with your puck, with the puck, you can pretty much do. But then after about two weeks, three weeks, you start to lose the pop in the stick. And that's because all the foam on the inside is broken down, right? So what we've done is we've taken the foam completely out and we put, a 100% carbon fiber blade on here. Every part of this blade is carbon fiber. And because of that, we've been able to make the holes, the diamond cut in here, carbon fiber, extra strength reinforced. And what that's going to also do, we can, because it's so strong, this gives an air resistance of about 13%. So when you're shooting the puck or passing, the stick is coming through quicker, less air resistance, and it gets the, it gets the puck off the stick quicker. You're probably looking at a one to three mile an hour quicker shot coming off this stick. Um, you don't put tape on it. We've got a really grippy surface on here because if you put tape on it, that would obviously, right. you know, 
take away from the uh, take away from the holes. So how does that how does that reflect into like you said getting it into the marketplace? Well, first of all, everybody and their mother ha- has a stick out. You know, being a stick company or having a stick and having it made in China and bring it in and put your name on it is about as common as, I don't know, toothbrushes. Everybody's doing it, um, but it's all me too. It's all foam based. It's it's the same, right? So ours, like I said, is completely different. We own patents. It's the only reason why I'm with the company, just like when I was with Rinkerat with the wheel company, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be a part of anything that's not covered by patent and is different. I don't have the time or the energy to fight against me too products, trying to get the same wheel or the same stick or the same pair of skates with a different brand on it. That's exactly the same as every other stick, every other skate, every other, whatever wheel. So, um, but trying to get it in because of that exact reason of, of, of so many people having stick brands out, it's almost impossible. First of all, 95% of the business is, is, is internet based, right? Everything brick and mortar is going away. We all know it. You know, you've got your monkeys, you've got your, you know, pure hockeys, you've got your, you know, giants, you got this, that, and the other, you know, in, in, in Canada, we've got Canadian tire. We've got, uh, you know, pro hockey life. We've got all these companies, big monster Costco size hockey warehouses. You know, those might stick around just from the pure volume, but trying to get into those stores is near impossible. First of all, like you mentioned, you need to be in the NHL. If you're not in the NHL, you're not even going to get a look, no matter how good your product is. So what we've done is, is our product has been in NHL testing's hands for the last seven, eight, well, it was, it was in the hands, ready to be ready to be done prior to March. And then COVID hit, they've just revisited it. They've got eight or 10, 12 of our sticks. They're on uh, phase two of their testing. We've got the brake test. And then they've also got a speed test to find out how quick the puck comes off that blade. Because if you're getting one to three mile an hour quicker shots, in theory, that doesn't seem like a lot, you know, but guys aren't shooting 105 like they do in skills competitions you know, during skills comps, you know, Ovechkin's hammering at 94, 95, 96 off the wing. If he starts firing at 99, 100, 101 off the wing, that's going to be a problem for safety reasons. So they got to figure out how that's going to work. And they've got to do brake testing. We've already, they've already done a bunch of testing. Our sticks are going to be approved by the NHL. And then it's a matter of uh, just cutting the check. So we fully anticipate that this product, our Toby sticks will be in the NHL. Now, how do you get into NHL players' hands? <clears throat> you got to call in favors, bro. Yeah. You got to call in favors. I mean, our stick's been in the eight NHL dressing rooms. Uh, we just had a, uh, I won't mention the, the podcast or the story, but it was, uh, well, the website bar down, I think Mark Recchi and, and, and the Pittsburgh Penguins Recchi had a big story on it. He did a thing talking about the stick, how it was in the Penguins locker room. Uh, the Bruins have had it in the locker room. Um, we are making it for a certain New Jersey devil defenseman right now we've made four to six sticks for him he he's tried it he's loved it i can't give his name out but it's not hard to figure out um and and we've had it in eight nhl dressing rooms and every guy that's used it loves it um they just can't use it yet because it's not it's not uh it's not licensed for the league yet so once it is then, then that's good but we have also a ton of uh nhl alumni guys using it um you know there's going to be a certain amount of guys that will use it because it's free like no it's like anything oh, i'll give a free stick yeah i'll use it okay We've all lived that in the rep world, right? But yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, we're getting some good play. We're getting some good play. And, you know, I mean, listen, I, I, I'll just say this. Kelly, I know Kelly's tried it, and I'm not going to speak for Kelly, yeah. but for me, yeah, it's the best stick yeah. I have ever used. And, I, and I, listen, I get free sticks. I used to get free sticks from everybody, right? Every brand, every company, because we worked with Bowers, the Nike, you know, Nike Bauer, Reebok CCM, 
you know, share. We, we worked with everybody. So we used to get sticks sent all the time. It's the greatest stick I've ever used. It, it's not even close to the performance of any other stick that I've ever used. And yeah, I'm, I'm, you, I'm, I'm with the company, but that's only because I used the stick and said, okay, I'll come on board. Not until after I use a stick. It's just, it's ridiculous how great it is. So uh, before we move on, I, I want to talk more about it, but I, I think I want to, I want to touch on something. So our audience gets a little bit more of an idea of what it takes. You talked about, all right. And when I got my products into the NHL, I didn't have to do any testing. I just had to pay the fee. And, you know, right. so I was with a brand, I was with Innovative and then I was with a branch off of Innovative called Trillage, which was a unique stick. It came out as a triangle at first and then they re revamped it. And it was a crazy thing because it was a gimmick at first. You got like, it was built to be stronger. It was built by an engineer who was a, uh, a mechanical engineer who said a triangle is going to be way stronger than a rectangle when you're trying to shoot it. So why don't we use this? And he went with that. And then he said, okay, the triangle's too weird to use on the ice. What if I went convex concave? And he redesigned it and he tested it and it was unreal. And I would take it into like, I, I speaking of New Jersey devils and I'm going to, I'm going to use the names, but Jordan Parisi and Zach Parisi would get me into the locker room and I would start handing it out to guys. And, uh, Travis Zajac was one of the guys and to there, there was a point where I just wasn't I wouldn't tell guys about the stick and why it was better I would just say here go shoot it and I'm gonna put a uh, a speed gun behind you and you shoot your stick and then you shoot our stick and you'll see the difference that's all I had to say and they'd go out and they'd use it and sure enough you'd always see an increase on your speed shooting that trillage stick but a lot of people still saw it as a gimmick. And at the time, it was 30 grand to be in the NHL. You had to pay $30,000 <laughs> for your product to be in the NHL. And that, didn't, that wasn't a blanket. That was per product. So like when I was with Eagle, and Eagle was new on the market, they, we had to drop a check for 30 grand because we got a goalie. So now we had 30 grand for goalie gear. And then we had to drop another 30 grand when guys started using the sticks and then another 30 grand for, cause everybody was using the gloves, right? Well, you have to sell a lot of product to make up 90 grand that it, that it took to get those three products in the market. And now it's even worse because are, are you allowed to say what the NHL fee is now per product? Well, I'm not sure if I am, but let's put it this way. Um, seven to eight times that okay wow yeah and I'd, I'd heard that that had been happening and that's also that's at the same time when i was when i was working for those companies i think we've lost kelly ask you but when i was working for those companies we uh we had the uh, the shoe companies let's just call them that the shoe companies came in and they bought up the american league so all the guys i had using products innovative trollage eagle that I could get a hold of before they got in the NHL so that when they went to the NHL, they would take our product with them, right? It was easier for me to get a hold of guys when they were in prep school at Shattuck St. Mary's or I had direct ins at Vermont through Evan or uh, North Dakota. Or, you know, I had ins through universities, through people I knew. So I would just pepper those universities with free product. And then sure. they, would, they would take it to the AHL and then they would take it into the NHL. Well, Reebok said, we're not going to allow that to happen anymore. And they bought exclusive rights to the AHL and killed us. I mean, that, yep. that, that killed a lot of our momentum of getting pro guys to use the sticks. And in order to get a pro, like to give you an example, 
we had zero sticks sold in the Ontario market. And then we got Shane Corson, who was playing for the, or no, we got Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson, who were playing for the Leafs. Yeah, for the Leafs. And within six months, we went from zero sticks to 8,000 sticks sold in Ontario alone. And I mean, yep. that's, that's the impact of having a guy in the NHL. And that's, that's what drives your company. Well, I'm going to pause. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these brick and mortar stores, they won't even bring you in. They won't even look at you uh, no matter what your product is, unless you're NHL. Right. Right. So, um, and then, and then throw COVID into the mix. Like oh, man. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that any companies have honest to God, it's amazing that any companies have survived, you know, the small, I'm not talking, I'm not talking the Bowers and the Reeboks, obviously. Um, but the, you know, just the, the mid range, the yep. mid range stick guys, the mid range glove guys, skate guys. Unbelievable. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back and we're talking about, we were just talking to Michael about a stick and how hard it is to get it into the NHL and uh, to get a pro to use it. And I, I was going to talk to Evan and Kelly because Evan, we'll start with you. Uh, tell me about like, what was it like when a, when a rep would come to you and try to get you to use a product? Cause I know, I know what happened to you. I, I did it to you. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, in uh junior they just bought whatever you didn't get a choice but when i got to college it was awesome because at the end of the year well freshman year at the beginning of the year every other at the end every company would literally just come and set up shop in every auxiliary locker room and we would just kind of you know it was like going you know window shopping you just like, oh, i'll try this i'll do this and kind of mix it up um and you know it was always the this is the latest and greatest technology we have, you know, so-and-so's using it, this person's using it. And then, um, you know, they would let us kind of go out on the ice and, and test it out and go from there. And I mean, that was a blast. Uh, obviously when you, you've got every, every company and some of them are pulling up in little like mini box trucks and they've got their own little kind of locker room set up, up that we could go in in the parking lot. And um, yeah, it was always the newest technology and then we have this player, this player and this player using it. And obviously because they're sweet and they use it, then you will be too. <laughs> right. Well, that, and that's just what, what Michael's saying. I mean, it's, it's almost, it, it's almost pointless to try to uh, get a company to, or get a store. And Michael, you left out shields when you were talking about awesome stores. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to just, Oh Yeah. That. We're gonna say how no, awesome for sure. Shields, yeah, we're gonna just yeah. say how awesome Shields is. No reason. Just we're just gonna say just, it's my it's one of my favorite stores, which is in North Dakota. Yeah, Whatever it's Grand also Forks, North Dakota. Yeah. yeah, there's also one right here in Utah that are sponsoring the show. So I'm just gonna say yeah. how, awesome, how awesome Shields is, and that's you know where you should get all your hockey stuff. But anyway, it's hard to get into a store like Shields if you don't have that name drop. So. Kelly, we want to get to you now for a minute. Let's, let's, let's listen to your knowledge for a minute here. Mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to hear about times guys came in and, and was there a time somebody blew you away as a player when they came in with a, with a product? And then 
talk, talk to us about getting your product into pro's hands because you pumped a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of at the end of the wood era at the end of my career where composites just came in like right around 2000 when Easton developed a synergy. Um, I was playing in Europe. I actually have a, had a, a Bush one piece composite stick out of Switzerland, which was about mm, 700 grams, maybe, <laughs> maybe 800 where conventional <laughs> sticks today are 450. Right. Uh, it was a log, but it didn't break. Um, and uh, you know, move ahead to, I guess, Long Beach days. And I, I got introduced to Innovative. I think you were maybe around then yeah. with I, Isaac and uh, and Ron, I think, right? Yep. And uh, yeah, they made me my first pattern in a composite blade in a two-piece stick, right? So, and that was actually a game changer for me. I, I went to a illustrator stick into a composite and I think I had 41 that year. And, you know, it was completely... <laughs> you know five years too late <laughs> but uh you know ended up that was the start of it for me and my relationship kind of has continued with warrior with testing products for them for gosh forever using them and then um and then you know introduced obviously with mike with tovey and have used the stick and it is pretty amazing um it's definitely releases the puck differently and there's something to be said about that and uh yeah be interesting to see if they can move forward with that brand um yeah from a store standpoint gosh uh you know i worked with hockey monkey back in 2002 for about almost uh, three and a half years uh was the manager of their first big large kind of costco type store like mike was talking about and that was a new thing back then um we were in the middle of orange county and uh we saw you know hockey was growing quickly and we saw a lot of growth there i think we did about six million dollars out of that store in year three which is, you know, pretty big for a hockey store in California. Um, anyway, had some good success. And yeah, I mean, from gosh, you know, we all know Sebastian Forche and one hockey, uh, you know, Sebi came in with his fly puck in early days and, and you know, it was something I sold on, on John at hockey monkey and said, yeah, it's actually a pretty useful, you know, training tool. There wasn't a whole lot of training tools out yet back then. And, I think he did pretty good with it, but I told Sebi, you know, I'm doing you a favor here. Like, but nothing, you know, ever comes back from things like that. Right. We hook up buddies and it's always, it's always, it ends up, we scratch each other's back along the way because we're always getting new things from somewhere and trying new things. So that's kind of the industry as you know, and gosh, uh, trying to think of some other things. I mean, it was, it was the evolution days when composites were just coming out. So, you know, vapors started and that whole line of skates and graph, I was selling a lot of graphs. They were starting to phase out a bit. Um, and there was just a real change in technology in the game, which we've seen the, the consequence of that is a faster, uh, you know, faster game skating ways, skating wise, uh, faster shooting release wise, more dangerous oh, for, sure. goal, for goalies. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now the goalies are getting uh, – have you heard of the phenomenon where, where goalies are smelling the puck? Because now it's getting to the point where it's zipping past them enough that it's burnt rubber, literally. And it's not just something I'm making up. This is like other goalies. I, I don't get close enough to them to smell them, but other goalies that are stopping pucks are smelling burnt rubber because <laughs> they are getting more of a zip to them. And yeah. Dude, you, you, you guys, you, your whole union of goaltenders – are just the weirdest group of people on this planet. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
What are you talking about, Burnt Rich? It's true. It's true. It's not just me. Um, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. But anyway, you know, um, just to end, like I did a lot of, I did a lot of product development there, Jay, with, uh, with Graph, kind of when they ended up, you know, with the skating end of things and I don't know, kind of been involved. Uh, Rocket Sport Dryer is another one. It's a cool little tool that's used to dry equipment and, oh gosh, you know, PX3. Yeah, 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 PX3, you know, I'm, I'm 12 years into that project. You know, it's turned from a, a sports mouth guard that you could speak and, and breathe with and to a, a sleep device now that's being prescribed as a as a medical device, uh, which has been pretty cool. We've gone really digital with that. And, you know, that's a product that you talk about getting in the hands. I mean, we fit the flames two years ago. They won the, uh, they win the league or they won the Western conference. Um, they had a great season. Um, injuries were down. Uh, you know, Mark Giordano wore it consistently game in and game out. We had about 12 guys that ended up wearing it consistently. And, you know, Mark had his best season, won the Norris trophy and whether he wants to admit it or not, but we know it definitely helped. And, uh, yeah. He won yeah, the you know, conference because of his mouth guard. Hey, I'm telling you. Um, you know, we've published our performance research, so it's available online. Uh, we've worked with the U.S. military in their human performance lab, so it's legitimate. And uh, okay. now that we were able to, to take a digital scan, uh, 3D print it, uh, and make you a mouth guard that fits exactly the same, uh, if you lost it, for instance, um, and be able and be able to really adjust your jaw and open up your airway to its max position. And, you know, there's a lot of science in the game, as you know, now all the guys are monitored um, from the time they show up at the rink and they're on the ice and their workouts, uh, their trainers know exactly what's going on. So um, anyway, it's uh, it's a cool product. It's out there. PX3.com. Um, if anybody has any sleep issues, it's definitely something to try. We've replaced CPAP machines and work with bruxism and clenching and sleep apnea issues. So oh, anyway, cool. there's that's my cool. I, And I'm sure that's a path you never thought you would go down. It's like, I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. a hockey guy. And then all of a sudden, yeah, this product, that I, this, this product that I'm with is going down. Because you were one of the first, like, when Under yeah. Armour was first coming out, you were in that too. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. all that. And then there was a side company and then there was competitors and and I remember I tell people this all the time because there were a few times in my repping career when guys would come to me and be, and I don't remember if it was you that approached me or somebody approached me with Under Armour. Yeah. And it's because I had like, I had the places nobody wanted to fly to as an NHL guy. So I had Columbus and Detroit. Yeah. I had, I had the areas that were like three or four flights to get to out of the West coast. <laughs> and, and so people were like, Hey, you want to rep for Under Armour? And I was like, ah, oh, there's no way that's going to take off, man. There's just no way Under Armour uh -huh. Because I, you're not going to have an under product in the NHL or the AHL because Reebok owns it. And right. Look at what they've done. I mean, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Bad move, obviously, on my part. But I thought I knew everything. <laughs> it's, it's just weird how many things come and go. And I mean, remember for a minute there was the uh, there was a, a skate that heated the blade. A thermal blade, yes. Uh, yeah, they're out of Calgary here, actually. They're working on a new project. I'm doing, well, I was doing a little bit of work with them. There's a, a person involved that's a pretty high profile ex NHL player now. With, well, they're uh, still around. Yeah, well, they've changed. They're actually working on some <clears> analytics <throat> now with the NHL and, and uh, a GPS type unit that you can put in any piece of equipment or, or more specifically, like with what I do with skating, we're looking at. Uh, putting it in the skate so we can start measuring uh, force rate and 
uh, you know, force rate, speed, acceleration, all these different things. And yeah, the data that's coming back now was, was technology and science in the NHL. It's pretty crazy. And it's all being used now in training. Right. So um, pretty neat, just like golf, just like using a track man. Right. Crazy. Um, yeah. So speaking of the, de- the development of all this, Michael, this, this question is, <clears throat> have you noticed many guys, are people still using inline hockey as a development or as a condition oh, yeah. or whatever? For, oh, yeah. For ice? Wow. Yeah. Huge. And Mike's going to go, I know he wants to just like, he's chomping right now to talk, but I'm going to take the, cause I'm going to let him talk after me because he's in the game and he, he talks about <laughs> it all the time, but listen, I'm, you know, again, the inline for what I do as a skating coach, I think it's a huge component. Um, there's a lot of reasons why uh, we don't have to get into all of them, but it's a more leveraged skating position within line. We have to stay wide. We can't get too narrow or we slip and fall. So we're turning with more pressure on our inside edges and just playing with more leverage and puck protection and reach. Um, and it translates uh, really well into the ice skating. Now, as you start seeing players like, you know, we'll talk about Crosby and McDavid and, and McKinnon and, and Barzal and Braden Point, and you start seeing the width that all these guys are playing with. There's a common denominator there, right? But the the, the roller definitely is a huge part of that. And Connor McDavid talks a lot about it too. You know, it was a big part mm-hmm. of his his reason why he skates so powerfully, and and his crossover work is so good. Um, we can really learn how to shift our weight on roller blades and transfer that into energy and transfer that into speed. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's the technical the technical advantages, and Kelly is uh, that that's that's what he knows best is 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 you know identifying, watching, and then yep. and then you know taking that skill set and then transferring it over, you know, pros and cons, you know, benefits, etc. For me, I'm I'm a little bit more. Um, well, I think it's I think it's the greatest tool that your listeners are not taking advantage of it is to me it is when you watch when i ran my programs and i would have and i'm in a traditionally non-inline hockey market which is manitoba winnipeg you know like trying to get you you literally think you're strapping parents down in a chair and ripping their teeth out with pliers when you bring up the word inline hockey and come try it you know but when i go to parents when they were in my program and i said you bring your kid out for three months three months, three times a week. And I don't care what level your player is at right now. He will, he or she will move up one level in three months. It is, it is maybe not, maybe not a hundred percent, but it's 99.6. It is the greatest game, greatest training technique. You, for, you know, skating wise, your hands, yeah. because the game's different. The hands, I agree. Ice hockey is traditional. The hands are big. Hundred percent. You see that? Sorry, Mike. I don't want to cut you off because. No, no. Jump in. No, jump in. Like jump in, hands, dude. This is what we're doing. It. Connor McDavid, right? The quick touches, and it's all about puck placement now. And with the roller, right? You can't really drag the puck. Like it's quick touches and putting it in space, and the the quickness of it really translates. You know what sold me, Mike? You remember, like all the roller guys from SoCal there. Uh, you know, Joaquin and all these guys, the, the elite guys, right? When they started trans going yeah. over to ice hockey, we were playing in like the top, you know, men's league at the time down there. And it was all ex 
college and pro guys, NHL guys playing. Like, it was a good league, right? All of a sudden, the Roller Boys, they roll in, and, and they're just like, they start beating us. And these are kids that just started playing roller hockey and all of a sudden just transitioned into hockey. And, and then that same year, they're beating guys that are experienced. So that was my, like, going, wow, yeah, this is legit. And then, you know, speaking about Southern California on that note, why is there so much so much good talent coming out of there. Well, that's one of the reasons because they play it year round. They get to introduce the game by roller hockey because it's cheaper. Uh, the costs aren't as expensive to get involved in the game. And then when they do, they transition into ice hockey. And that's why we've had, what, 10 first round draft picks out of Orange County in the last 10 years, I think, or something like that. Right. So, well, anyway. I well yeah. And I think, and, no, I'm sorry, Jay. Well, yeah. Well, sure. And, yeah. And what I was going to say is, I mean, when you, when you have an ice game, which is traditionally get the puck to the red line, dump it in, bang, chase, and whatever, yeah. try to get the puck. Yeah. Roller hockey being a four-on-four, four, no icing, no offside game, which now it, it, it promotes it, – it allows the player to be creative, which you're not allowed in ice hockey. You know, grow, we, at least we were never allowed to be creative. If you have the puck and you didn't dump it in, I mean, you're getting beaten on the bench or benched. Right. So this allows you to be creative. It allows you to hold on to the puck longer. It's 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 the 80. It's it's the 1980 Russian Red Army team. If you go back and watch that team in the 80s, yes, 70s and 80s yeah. and you watch them, you get the puck and they don't dump it in. If they don't have it in, they bring it back. And everyone's like, what is this they're doing? And they would just bring it back and bring it back. And then you go into three on three overtime and ice hockey in the pros and you watch what they're doing. If you lose the face off on the opening draw of overtime, I think it's like a 70, 70% chance you're losing that hockey game and probably a 90% chance you're probably not even touching the puck because they'll come in and if they don't have anything, they're going to bring it all the way back and then they're going to commit again and they're going to bring it all the way back and, and you've got the puck on your stick longer, which creates obviously more hands, more touches. And then because it's such an open game, you're always constantly moving, meaning you're putting the puck to places and spaces and you've got to get to places and spaces on the rink as a player. You can't just stand dormant waiting for a puck. So this all lends itself into transitioning from the roller game to the ice game. And even if you can't play in a league, if there's leagues that aren't around you, every single ice hockey player should have a pair of roller hockey blades and they should, and not just go on, on the street or a track. I always like to find a track that you can go to, you put your headphones on, and you go every single time, like Kel seen it. I'm 52 years old. I was out on Monday, pair of hockey gloves. I got my stick. I got my blades, and I am 20 miles, 15 miles. And it's not just skating. You know, I got Kelly who's telling me to get my you know, butt down, legs wider, stride, you know, working my stride, working my edges, and working crossovers. And you want to know something? I'm a better ice hockey player right now. I'm very fortunate. I get to play with Thomas Steen. Perry Miller, I play with Jamie Compton, the assistant coach of the Winnipeg Jets, every Tuesday and Thursday when he's when he's able. And I'm actually a better ice hockey player at 52 years old right now than I have ever been in my life because I play every single day and I play roller hockey and my stride's better, my skating's better, and it's all because of roller hockey. Honest to God, I mean, every kid that you have listening to this and every family, if they don't buy roller hockey blades and, and inline blades and go and, and use it as a cross trainer or as a training thing for their ice they are insane because they're falling behind everybody else they're is. falling behind why do you think pat maroon does so well in the nhl do you think it's because he's a great skater he's not he'll self-admit that he's six foot three he's 220 pounds he lumbers out there but guess what he was one of the best roller hockey players and he's got some of the sickest hands you'll ever see on a big man 
just there's a reason why people are looking for him to play on their team. He's ridiculous with a puck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's roller hockey. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's one of those things. So I wasn't that great at ice hockey. And one of the only opportunities I really had was to play in the RHI. And when I was, when I was there, I think, I mean, they basically wanted me more for my voice so that I could help, help them with play by play and even do rink announcing or whatever. And uh, <laughs> I, I bit, I backed up a dude out of the queue who was an amazing goalie who also became an equipment rep for a while and Hugo Hamlin. And, uh, at the time, it was like, oh, if you're playing roller hockey, you've just screwed your ice hockey career. A lot of guys were afraid, especially goaltenders, were afraid to make that move because they said, oh, it adds too much uh, choppiness to your, to your stride or it changes everything. But now it's, you can't argue it. It's, it's truly well, is. And, you see the result and, now. And, Jay, you were part of the movement, right? You were part of it. You worked for a company. You repped a company, which I was a part of, which was Rick Rat. The reason why back back then, back in those days, they were exactly right. Roller hockey promoted big turns, you know, what was perceived as laziness because one, there was no there was no wheels that were worth their salt and there was no surface you could play on. You know, there you couldn't stop sideways, you know, ice hockey stop with rollerblades. People were afraid, you know, you'd always you get to that end of and Kelly talked about this well when I was out in Calgary with him. He always talked about at the early days of roller hockey when you would get to that final push that end of your stride you would slip out so guys would short short hop it and kelly yeah. you can speak to that a little bit better than that but you'd short hop yeah. it but now yeah. with technologies of the flooring the flooring systems and the wheels which rink rat with the soft inner hard outer like a compression like a, a car tire it flattened out on the court gave you more grip but it also had a rebound effect that gave you jump so it, it emulated everything you could do on the ice almost about 99 percent of what you do on the ice you could do with a roller hockey wheel now in today's game, where back in the early days of the RHI, I think they painted the cement blue, if I remember. And I, mean, I remember John Ruff. Or Pro <laughs> Beach, yeah, Pro Beach, right? <laughs> but you know what I mean? But I, it's, it's all about the advancement of technologies and of the equipment and the, and, the, and the flooring and everything. And that's why now, sure, that's an argument in 1985. It's not an argument now. You can't argue that because you can, you can hockey stop on a dime just like you do in roller hockey. Yeah. I mean, just like in ice hockey. Yeah. It's come, a, it's come a long way, that's, and that's amazing. And that's, that's honestly why I wanted to have you guys on the show, and it's been, it's been a great show, and we've been able to talk about it. And, uh, Evan, what do you think? Is this something, that, now that you're coaching all these kids, is this something that – have you talked to your kids about using inline hockey as a, as a crossover training? I have not. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to do that a lot when I was a kid, but the stuff you talked about with the, the stride and everything and – wiping out not being able to turn that kind of turned me off a bit once I started getting into juniors and stuff when injuries and dealing with all that stuff but um yeah I honestly haven't kept up with uh inline hockey (laughs) kind of blowing my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I I encourage you just to go to YouTube and uh and just type in you know team USA team Canada roller hockey and watch and watch Finland against Canada in 2012 and 15. Watch Team USA, you know, Bobby Ryan playing on the team and Patty Maroon playing on the team, and you know all yeah. these, all the Alish. Hem- you remember, remember Kelly Alish Hemsky? What was it? K- yeah. Hemsky, Hemsky's brother Rakunik, Plakanik, uh, Tankrat, and Hasek all played all played in the World Championships for the Czechs, and they finished fourth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, you, if you YouTube it and you watch watch this hockey, 
it'll it'll absolutely blow you away. And I tell all my parents, go to YouTube, just type in Team Canada Roller Hockey and just or Team USA Roller Hockey and just watch. Pick out World Championships. The checks are ridiculous. Like it's just it's it's stupid. You look well, at you like my God, they can do this on the skates. It's it's and at the speed, it's ridiculous. And it, and it'll it'll absolutely turn your way of thinking around to accepting it and understanding that, you know, you get your kids and the people you're working with on this and they're, they are going to be so far ahead than those that aren't. And you're going to see dramatic increases and, and differences in their game and their skating and their stick handling and their puck movement and, and scoring. And even their defense, here's the big thing too. And I know we got to run in your job. I, I was going to say thing. defense. Is yeah. The one, one. The, yeah. yeah the, the, the defensive strategy in roller hockey is because it's four on four and you can float a guy all the way down to the end. You have to defend that. Now imagine being at the world championships in Europe and you're playing four on four, no icing, no offside on Olympic size rink, right? You, you, you will get exposed before you even start. If you don't even understand the defensive part of this game. And what that does is, is if you've got eight, nine, 10, 11 and 12 year old got kids playing roller hockey and teaching them to identify man-to-man systems, zone systems, box systems, and making sure that they have a defensive scheme to, to handle roller hockey, just wait till you put them in. Cal, you could touch on this. You put them into the ice hockey world, and you're already yeah. you're, 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 you're talking about you're talking about 18 Pierre Bergerons on your team. Kel? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. The, the man-on-man coverage, you lose a guy and you get roasted in roller hockey, and it's just a uh, really great teaching tool for sure. I agree. Perfect, perfect. Okay, well, I, I think we've gone pretty long here. I, I'm, we've got to have you guys on again. I mean, you guys. I got so much more I got to say. Yeah, like oh, <laughs> this so could be fun. a this this could be a four hour show, dude. I mean, Hunsky took up forty eight minutes, so you know, like, what are you talking about? I've never heard you talk so much. I'm a, I, my only concern is I'm going to have nightmares about Kelly's mustache tonight. At least you got that little piece there, Jay, to make it look like, you know, you're, you know, you're cool. I don't know yeah. what the heck he's got going on with his face. No, that's not a good profile. <laughs> that's dude. not a good post. Not though. a good profile. It's not I've, a always good post. Been a, I've always been against these little things too. And then it, it just balanced yeah. it all out. Well, it does balance it. Cause just look at Kelly. He needs one. Yeah, he does. I'm afraid he's going to get picked up by the cops just going outside. They're going to. They're going to reasonable. I might have got pulled over today already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he wears his skinny jeans all the time too, so that doesn't help either. No, he does hey. in California, I'm sure. All right, boys. Uh, I can't. I can't thank you enough. Uh, we're uh, we're going to put your uh, your Toby stick. We're going to we're going to put that on our our site so people have uh, access to it. Tell us the website awesome. again. Uh, tobyhockey.com um just jump on there or they can get out reach out to me directly but again youtube youtube toby hockey and just see some of the responses and, and things like that and the different different videos out there it, it's pretty cool let's get some of those sticks in this market I'll, I'll 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 pay to bring a few out here and we'll we'll start handing them out to evan's kids and i would love them. to you yeah. got a drive they, they, yeah although you're a goalie you probably can't shoot that well you wouldn't know but well, I'm not that good of a goalie. I probably can shoot better than I can goaltend. <laughs> I like the idea yeah, of hey. not breaking down like the foam. Nothing's worse than having a oh, stick that's dead and not breaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's hey. You're just trapped hey. in a wet noodle. Yeah. You know the best sure. thing, Evan, about it? Yeah, the best thing about it is, is you never lose that pop. And here's the greatest thing for your parents. It's got a 90-day warranty on breakage where every other stick's 30. And not only yeah. that, it's got a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you hate it, 
you get your money back. There is zero risk in this product. And if they break the stick, they got three months, right? They got three months. What stick stick in the market does that? Yeah, no other ones. That's how much we back this product. Kelly, do you have anything you need to, uh, you need us to add to a website or anything we can help you promote? You know what guys? Mustache.com. Yeah. (laughs) Manscaped.com. No. Uh, PX3.com is, is a, you know, project I'm passionate about, been involved with for 12 years. You know, we're, uh, we're pretty much available online. Just reach out if you want any information. My, my skating training kind of just, I'm pretty busy with it. So you don't see me a lot posting on Instagram because I'm too busy coaching, but uh, no, I mean, all is good. I'm just thankful. I'm building a rink. Like I told you and have a full training center here in Calgary and uh, just excited for the new year ahead. Amazing. Amazing. Glad to see you guys are all doing so well. Evan, thank you for being on the show again today. Did you guys? (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, Ev. All right. And that's, that's (laughs) it. That's it for the, the Utah puck report until next time. That's the Utah Puck Report. I'm Dave Colley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.